Episode 10, Half Court and Midrange. Hey, y'all. I'm Court. I'm Ray. The NBA Finals are over, but our podcast is not over. It keeps going. It keeps on going, and we'll continue to keep on going throughout all the important NBA calendar years, NBA days of the calendar year. Yes. As Joel Sherman said, the second most important day in the NBA calendar is quickly approaching the NBA draft on Thursday. And the most important calendar day has already passed, which was the NBA draft lottery. That's right. That's right. And the third most important hypothetical day was the game seven of the finals, which did not happen. I thought we said the concluding game of the finals. Uh, that's a good segue into our finals recap because it concluded on the sixth game. It did. The Warriors, I think we've last, when was our last pod? Our last pod was before game our last podcast i believe happened after game two okay we'll uh, go back and that's that's my prediction at least we'll go back and revisit these predictions i think we i think we did record it before game two and then posted it after game two um, mm. but um i could also be wrong anyhow i guess a lot's happened since then um we and initially after Kyrie went out in game one we definitely expressed a lot of confidence, or I expressed, I think we both expressed a lot of confidence in that podcast that the Warriors would probably steamroll through the rest of the series, that LeBron James wasn't going to be able to kind of carry them, and the team was overall weak. Um, obviously, the Cavs pulled out the next two games, uh, much to my surprise, based on uh, Herculean efforts by LeBron. Um but then uh, reality set in. Uh, he was not able to carry that cast of characters to another victory in Golden State. Kind of rolled like, like we and a lot of folks kind of projected them to. Man, reality is the worst. Reality is the worst. Reality uh, is the worst. Greg is almost back, and he could probably give us some sort of uh, uh, analysis of reality versus non-reality and their <laughs> relative merits. Uh, but I'm assuming that it at least is tied for the worst in Greg's system of uh, philosophical beliefs. Yes, yes, <laughs> definitely, definitely. Uh, so we made some predictions before the series started, and I'd like to bring them up again, uh, just because I think, as I recall... A couple of people on half court, mid range, and pick and Joel, which is Joel's new nickname, uh, made the prediction that Golden State were, was going to win every single game in the series. And yes, Joel, they were Joel and I did make that prediction. They were so you were so wrong about that. How do you feel that my prediction was more correct uh, than your prediction? Um. Well, I was actually thinking about it, and in terms of. If you wrote down like all the outcomes of the series, um, all the possible outcomes, which Joel almost enumerated in one podcast, <laughs> which Joel almost enumerated, uh, the actual outcome would have exactly split your prediction and our me and Joel's prediction. 
It was, I mean, one could how, argue like, the that. mean square was like equal <laughs> the distance away. Is that, you know what I'm saying, right? In a way, yeah. In a way, between my prediction oh, and... We should probably, sorry, our prediction. Okay, so Joel and Ray both predicted that the Warriors would sweep the Cavaliers four games to zero. That is right. Um, in the NBA Finals. Some of our listeners are unaware that this was the final series, probably. So this is the final one. Um, it had seven have, games in it. It had seven. Or well, it, it actually it had, had <laughs> seven. It was a best of seven series. Uh. <laughs> It, this it had six games in it because the first team to, they don't play the other game after the first team to get to four. So anyway, Ray and Joel predicted the the sweep. I predicted that the Cavaliers would win four games to three in a dramatic game seven, uh, which oh, nearly came true when J.R. Smith hit a bunch of meaningless threes at the end of this final game to make the score look a lot closer than it really was. Um, and I thought that maybe just a few more might just happen to fall in and it would be some sort of crazy game six a la the Spurs heat um, and that LeBron would go on to win. Um, but that's not what happened. That's not what happened. And, and it also wasn't what happened. Golden State didn't quite steamroll him either. There were just a couple of really inexplicable games where uh, LeBron James aided by the, you know, indescribable scrappiness of Matthew Delvadova and yeah some you know better play by some of the supporting cast Mozgov had a few pretty good games when he when did small and ball then, was wasn't a thing he did and then he yeah kind of got benched um which was interesting um I guess they did a couple of things that really I guess they were like double teaming him and he was turning over the ball and then he couldn't really run with people on defense but uh right thompson i assume is is a slightly more mobile defender there yeah thompson can definitely neither of them are great defending the pick and roll i think tristan thompson's actually kind of okay defending the pick and roll for a power forward right um so that was the key i know that on some of them i mean there were a lot where i saw both thompson and mozgov just not be able to close out on a shot uh when they had to switch on yeah to you know a curry type mostly curry um yeah so ultimately we were we were both wrong in our predictions i i could make the case i'm not going to try to explain what i just tried to explain (laughs) that that joel me and joel's sweet prediction was actually um similarly as as wrong as as courts Cavs and seven prediction i'm going to make a little image and put in the comment section to try to explain what i just tried to explain but um in reality, I think probably Joel and I were, were kind of... Our prediction was pretty good. I think the Warriors were significantly better than the Cavaliers. Um, I think I think the Cavaliers were probably lucky to win two games. I think if that series got played, uh, you know, 10 or 100 times or something, that the most more than not the Warriors would have won in four or five games would Kyrie Irving get to come back in every the beginning of every series in this hypothetical so I think Joel and I factored into factored in his bulky knee into the our initial prediction um and I think if you assume like average like whatever the expected outcome for him like sometimes he plays sometimes he doesn't but I think in all of those cases he's not going to be very good at defense and going to be a step slower than normal that I still probably say Golden State in four or five. 
I think he wouldn't break his kneecap every time. He wouldn't break his kneecap every time, but he's still not going to be a great defensive player. I mean, he was he had a good game one definitely, but I I don't know. He was he had a just everyone knew he had a bum knee and that was going to impact him throughout the series whether or not he broke his kneecap. I guess it's all really hypothetical at this point. Everything um, is hypothetical. Everything is hypothetical. The hypothetical is equally as bad as reality. And <laughs> Ray, also, this uh, is a new format for our podcast. Ray is not sitting in a chair right now. No chair. Ray, because as you recall, the, mi- the microphone stand, we still haven't gotten a new one. I haven't even matched with anyone on Tinder in a really long time. Uh, so I assume all those people don't want to give us money for a new microphone stand. So instead we're, we're reducing our number of possessions in, in this situation. And so we took away the chair and now Ray is on the floor, but he is supporting his head with a basketball, which I believe says tank on it. It does say tank on it, which I think is, uh, we'll talk about that more later in our, in our draft preview. Yes. Uh, or draft recap, depending on how, (laughs) when we post it, uh, (laughs) Anyway, preview cap. Anyway, Ray is on the floor. Ray is lying on the floor. I'm gonna limb the scene for you a little bit here. He's lying on the floor and he's wearing a Philadelphia 76ers flat brimmed hat that has like the ear flaps that keep your ears warm. And he's it's a cold day here in New Orleans. He's putting yeah. It's a it's a very cold June 21st Father's Day in New Orleans, running about 90 upper 90s in terms of degrees. And uh, he's he has his chin on a basketball, and the mic is pointed down towards him. And I got my hinky T-shirt on. And he's got his hinky "Trust the Process" Philadelphia 76ers T-shirt on. Trust the process, y'all. Um, but I, but really, my 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 posture today is not only a product of our uh, funding, but it's you know an homage to Matthew Delavadova. He is, yeah, assuming so, the position of Delavadova. Yeah. He 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 fell on the floor a lot to get the ball. Uh, sometimes in the area of people's knees, I'm like three feet away from court's knees. I'm not gonna try to hurt him, but uh, I guess that would if I was gonna really play this out, I would probably make a little dive at his knees. In a way, you are kind of you're going at the knees of my heart, or at least uh. the knees of my brain, because you're kind of like not talking to the microphone a little bit with this new <laughs> posture. Which Sorry, um, which I'll step may it lead. It, I, we'll see how it turns. We'll hear how it turns out later in post production, which I assure you is a laborious process, <laughs> uh, of which I spend m- many, many, many hours uh, making sure the audio quality is crystal clear for our listeners out at home, uh, and I don't just chop off a little bit here and there and throw in the other aunts and uncles theme song. I was also thinking, as far as the theme song goes, we kind of have the the upbeat. Uh, little like uh it's actually a demo track that nick did with the horns and stuff and it like Mm -hmm. always feels like you know a little like like you know you're you're feeling some movement with it but my feeling right now with the 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 finals being over there's not going to be any real basketball for a while and the Cavs losing which was like a little bit disappointing to me i might switch it to like the uh, something a little also other aunts and uncles but like no, just a little more like down tempo or maybe 
stealing one from uh, a podcast that is in a way a spiritual father or spiritual godfather almost to this podcast, which is the Aloe Court podcast by Chris Russell and company. Mm, um, mm, okay. And switching it to uh, the one where Josh sings, uh, we don't have answers. Okay. Because um, we didn't have any answers with our predictions there. Although, and in, in, in I We had I answers, say, they were just wrong answers. I will say that in a way, our, if you listen to what we said, Ray and Joel just were talking about the unstoppability of Golden State's machine, which true, ended up being true. And my Cavs in seven prediction was built a lot on just kind of like LeBron taking it all upon himself and playing like kind of out of yeah. anybody's like possible realm of imagination in terms of good basketball players or just like doing one thing by yourself. And he did, I think that part of the reason they won, I mean, obviously the whole reason they won those games was he just played like he was really, really amazing at basketball and worked really, really hard. Uh, did a lot of things. Yeah, he is He is something else. I don't think... It's hard to, to comprehend what he does on a basketball court, but it's, it's pretty special. He's a pretty special human being. And it, some people w- were talking... Uh, about how he had to like get IV. He didn't have to get an IV. Della Vadova did, but he had to. He always has these like special ice baths and then massages after mm. every game. And I do think that's like a little. I mean, everybody kind of gets that except for Della Vadova because he misses the team bus. On hey, the hey, hey! But how much better would you would you think you would play a lot better if after every time you played a pickup game you were dunked in an ice bath and then given a massage by uh, you know some physical trainer the massage definitely i think that's also maybe along with the funding maybe after each podcast we need to get dunked in an ice bath and massaged okay and so i'm a little more i'm a little i think the ice bath is more appealing to me oh really yeah Hmm. especially we played it was so hot last time we played and just like getting dunked there and just having all your muscles just get real like cool i'm also like a little bit uncomfortable with people touching me like I'm just not that like I don't know especially if it's like someone I don't know too well like it would just kind okay. of like makes me more tense almost really okay so I don't have that I can I, I'm I can get massaged and feel pretty okay with that okay you heard you heard it here if you have any more questions or if you would like to massage Ray uh feel free to reach out on my tinder um <laughs> so yeah that was about do we so now we recap that series a little bit. Uh, we maybe haven't talked. There's one more thing maybe that I want to talk to you about, which is the finals MVP was awarded to Andre Iguodala. Uh, and yeah, how do you feel Iggy. about that, Ray? I'm really excited about that. Um, I think so. Iguodala started his career with the 76ers, of course, the team that I like and root for. Um, and he was a good 76er, but he was kind of. Uh, miscast as the heir apparent to Allen Iverson um, as the kind of ball-dominant superstar on the team. And that's definitely not the kind of role that he would thrive in, even though he was still good. Um, So ultimately, he fell out of favor with a lot of people in Philadelphia, mainly because he couldn't do the type of things that Iverson could do. Um, But he's a really good basketball player. He is super, he's just a super smart player. Uh, he's super versatile, very good at defense, can defend multiple positions. He's strong. 
Uh, he can contribute on offense. Um, he definitely was able to nail the corner three this year for Golden State, which was um, a really big thing. So I'm just excited for him uh, that he that he's a good basketball player that is like chronically, you know, the whole underrated, properly rated, overrated thing. I guess that's kind of annoying, but he's just not like uh, spoken of a lot. He's just kind of forgotten. Uh, but he's a really good player, and he's he got recognized for that. He, I actually would have voted for LeBron for MVP. Um, simply put, he was the most valuable player in that series, whether or not his team won, which it didn't, uh, obviously. But he was obviously just more valuable than any other player, and if that's what it's about, uh, he was the MVP of the finals. I know what do you people. say to yeah? I was about to get to this too. What do you say to people that say impose sort of like a ridiculous minimum games one requirement upon the finals MVP and say that <laughs> if you haven't won three games or four games, you know, either won the series or at least brought it to seven games, that you should you're undeserving of the MVP award? I would say I would say that any kind of stipulation like that is kind of arbitrary. Um, Although, I mean, I understand the general thought that you should give the MVP to the winning team. Like, how valuable could you have been? Or does it really matter how valuable you were if your team didn't win? At the end of the day, I think we can actually kind of, like, objectively measure the amount of value that you provide for your team. Um, And subjectively, in this case, too. And in both cases, we would say that LeBron was the best, most impactful player. And so let's just go ahead and give it to him. Um, so anyhow, I don't know. I, I get the need to kind of set it like that, but I think it's, I think it's just a, I think it's something folks are like comfortable giving the finals MVP to someone who won the finals. Um, but it doesn't, I guess it doesn't necessarily like jive with me. What would you say to people, uh, who would, who said, say that Joe Harris should have been the MVP of the finals? I would say court, uh no i was it was a hypothetical situation there's somebody that i knew nobody actually said that to me nobody nobody said that um i would say though i would say let me just on a kind of redeeming joe harris note so uh, i you know i'm laying on the ground right now doing this podcast uh this is an homage to della vadova and he got all this absurd amount of praise because he was this like scrappy Australian bearded white guy and he wasn't that good really he had like a couple of okay games I just looked up his statistics um throughout the throughout the entire playoffs this year he had a negative value over replacement player um and had something like 0.2 win shares per game or something like that. Basically, he was like your classic, just like meh, okay player. Um, and he got a ton of time for the for the Cavs. Um, and I guess like there earlier in the year there was kind of Della Vadova was either getting time or Joe Harris was getting time. Um, there seemed to be some kind of you know scarcity of minutes where they were battling for the same minutes. And Joe Harris basically got none of those minutes. Um, you know, this, you could make a case that maybe Del Vadova shouldn't have gotten 41 minutes and Joe Harris could have gotten a couple of those minutes. 
especially if LeBron was going to bring the ball up the court anyway, right? Right, yeah, and the, the point being that, like, Delvadova, better ball handler of, yeah. in terms of, like, what are their flaws or strengths as players. Yeah. Probably a little quicker, too. That's that's yeah. the other issue is, is Delvadova, while not not actually good at defense uh, despite game two i think just you know sometimes people miss a whole lot of shots and steph curry just happened to miss a whole lot of shots in that game i don't think it was like it wasn't that delvadova like played awesome defense and it wasn't that he played you know he wasn't terrible on it either like he at yeah. least made some of the shots hard but it was just kind of statistical you know fluke that he steph curry was just having a cold night you know yeah um, absolutely uh, where I was going, what I was going with that is like I think he still has the requisite quickness to at least like play that sort of average defense on on Steph Curry. Where I don't think Joe Harris could have like played that role in the scheme, the defensive scheme, and might have had to be like shifted over to uh, you know who knows. But he has a little more size though, so theoretically yeah. he could. You know, not that size was a big thing in this series for sure. Yeah, I I agree with that, and I think. Delvadova definitely be better defensively for him, but I guess I wonder what the trade-off is if you add another like actual shooter around LeBron. I think I think Joe Harris is a better shooter than Delvadova. Yeah, he statistically he was like I think slight you know percentage points more, but also very small sample size. Yeah, um, and so like if he had you know he might have might have hit some shots. Uh, and he just doesn't have such a hateable face. <laughs> yeah, he you know, has. Like, uh, yeah, he has the kind of like classic, just kind of vaguely good-looking, maybe even wildly good-looking. <laughs> I don't know. That's for other people to decide. Um, dreamy, almost. <laughs> um, so finals MVP. Some people also, I've talked to a few people for whatever reason, wanted to award it to Steph Curry. I guess that's a thing too. Yeah. He was the best player on the best team is what they say. Some people also said that he was the best player in general. Uh, mainly Garrett said that. I said, that's dumb. <laughs> and he said, you're dumb. <laughs> we're all We're all dumb. Right? <laughs> And I told him he didn't even listen to this podcast, so whatever, Garrett. <laughs> um, I could see, I actually could see a case, I, I, could, I think there's a good case for Steph over Andre in that even though Steph was like relatively, you know, had a relatively bad shooting series, especially especially for his standards, I imagine for most people's standards, he still was fine or above average, but um it's definitely true that the way that the defense uh, responds to his presence on the court is like humongous, and that could that could have made him more valuable. The fact that just he tracks so much attention, he opens up the floor for other folks. Because at the end of the day, Iguodala was like hitting wide open corner threes or um, posting up like a smaller player or cutting to the basket based on some crazy advantage that he had because they had Clay Thompson and Steph Curry on the court who were attracting like all of Cleveland's attention. Yeah, it seemed like Cleveland was was okay with uh, having the guys, you know, they were sometimes trying to trap Curry 
uh, and so the, the kind of extra guy that was not on somebody often was not the extra guy that wasn't. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, there was nobody on Andrea Godella, and so he, because of Steph Curry, that's why he was getting those corner threes. You can see it on a lot of the plays too. But he still, to be to his credit, he he made those threes when he needed to make them. Absolutely, the Cavs said we're going to die by Andrea Godala, and they and they did. So, um, shout out to him for doing what he needed to do. Definitely. He also he also probably had a, a very low free throw percentage for any Finals MVP. Yeah, which is crazy. Yeah, he looked, and they were just he had a bad free throw percentage. They went to Hacka. Iguodala occasionally, um, and they just the shots looked terrible. Some of them just looked really terrible. Yeah, he kind of had the yips. He had a little bit of the yips on the free throws. It looked like. Yeah, but it, apparently this is kind of a, a last couple of years thing for him. So I don't. Uh, so it was less the yips. Yeah, and more just I mean maybe super yips. You know? Well, I guess kind of once you get the you know Steve Sachs disease, once you get it, you're you, yeah. you just can't get it back anymore. Yeah, you sit, you're in your own head, and you can't ever get. You can't ever go back out of your head. Yeah. Um, anyway, that's the, I, I'd say a deserving MVP, uh, and there were probably some other deserving candidates too, but all in all, uh, a well-won award by Andre. Andre. Um, so I think later in this podcast, we're going to talk about uh, sort of the Cavs and Golden State's sort of like going forward what their teams might look like and kind of how Golden State's win might reshape the uh, team building of uh, some other teams. But before we do that, we have a few mailbag questions and most of them are actually kind of related to uh, the series at hand. So we might ask, do the mailbag first and then do go for, you know, go forward with the team building after that. Um, so the first one podcast question we have is from Chad Kuchum of Kansas City, uh, and he asks, uh, why is Cleveland the worst city in the U.S., and why don't they deserve an NBA championship? Um, I'm not prepared to say that Cleveland is the worst city in the United States. Um, I feel like there's a lot of them out there, and we should give them all a chance to prove how terrible they are, you know, um, especially like Chad, you know, have you ever been to the state of Arkansas? I know. I, I know you can't answer that now cause you're not on the podcast, but there's some, you know, I don't know. There's some cities there too. <laughs> they I was, to I was wondering where you were going to get the city <laughs> state sort of thing to come in here. <laughs> Little rock, uh, is one of them. I think hope is hope the place where Bill Clinton is from. Uh, that sounds right. Yeah, that sure. Right. Bill Clinton was from Arkansas. Yeah. Cleveland, uh, uh, Grover Cleveland, presumably was from yeah. there. Or Florida. Florida has a lot of cities. Florida. A bunch d- of those. I would, I would, I would prefer to be in Cleveland than many of the cities in Florida. Would you rather be in Cleveland or in Tampa? I. Ooh, Tampa was kind of okay, actually. It was Orlando that I didn't really didn't like. Okay, but. Orlando or Cleveland. Give me Cleveland. Give me Cleveland. I think I might say that too. Orlando really stressed me out. Yeah, there's all those lights. Sorry to all the Disney people yeah. that are really into Disney stuff. I don't quite get it. Yeah. But on the other hand, it's like you could be outside and in pools. 
It's a tough one. Cleveland. Yeah. Cleveland. There's probably some cool stuff in Cleveland. Give me Cleveland yeah, too. I think Cleveland is certainly underwhelming. Uh, I drove there in high school with a buddy to go to an OAR concert. I did that. Uh, it was like a seven-hour drive. Um, was it worth the seven hours? Uh, honestly, we had a really good time at the concert. Uh, this was a point in my life where going to OAR concerts was like really fun. And this one time we went there, I think because we were the first like X amount of people into the show, we got to go to an acoustic OAR set at the Hard Rock Cafe the next day. Um, <laughs> and we got them like sign, you know, sign our t-shirts and stuff. Um, so yeah, that was, you know, that was okay. I think we also slept in the car at like a McDonald's, um, it was really hot. I do remember, I do remember like one having fun there, but being like, wow, I thought Cleveland was like a city, but it's really just a couple of tall buildings and like not much else. Ooh, that's, I like the philosophy behind that one. Yeah. You could kind of say that about a lot of cities. It's just a few buildings and some subways and some yeah. thriving nightlife districts yeah. and some art scenes and not much else. I feel like we just might have alienated our. Are Ohio, Arkansas, and Florida listeners? There are many things that are great about all those places, and we welcome all of our listeners from there. Based on the web stats, most of our listeners are from Russia, uh, and they mostly want to sell us some search engine optimization strategies. So thank you, Russian. If We're going to have Ray say thanks in Russian, which he practiced for, uh, to all our Russian listeners. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> thanks ray i'm gonna uh, google it I'm he, google he was it for russia he actually if you optimize he, my search right i'll find it quickly ray actually uh you know there's american sign language ray just did russian sign language for thank you uh and he has this like fur hat on too so super russian yeah um whew, so it's, it, chad's question totally flawed it's cleveland not the worst city in the u.s uh, deserving of an NBA championship? What do we think about uh, cities deserving things? No one deserves anything. Uh, so, yes, they're not deserving of an NBA championship, and no one is. Yeah, I, I was. If you didn't say that, I was going to say that. So I am in complete agreement with your uh, analysis on that. Yeah. You can't. Thank you. People just don't deserve stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Who deserves an NBA championship? The other. Yeah. And that's the problem. That's the problem with society today is everybody thinks they deserve something. I know. I think the other day we were at dinner and Ailey said that he deserved chocolate. And I was really mad at him right then. He's our friend's four-year-old son. And I just wanted to say, no, you don't deserve chocolate. Like, yeah, you, you might want chocolate really bad. And like, yeah, it's probably likely that you'll get some chocolate. Um, and it seems like a reasonable outcome, but you don't, just cause you're there, you don't deserve chocolate. Absolutely. Absolutely. Couldn't have said it better myself. (laughs) So now Ray's ready to say thank you in Russian, the, uh, verbal version of Russian. Spasiba. All right. There we go. So thanks Chad Kuchum from not Russia, from Kansas city, Ohio. And... (laughs) Uh, we have another mailbag question about the finals. This one comes from, an, this is a special Father's Day question. It comes from an anonymous oh, listener. Yeah. Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. All the dads out there and all the kids. 
who have dads and those who don't, uh, the, this special anonymous Father's Day question comes from uh, Charlottesville, Virginia. And the question is, is LeBron really the best NBA player given that he's 260 pounds and six foot nine and just kind of bowls people over all of the time? Yes. And- <laughs> yes. This actually, uh, I don't even want, okay, I'm going to reference it. Uh, there was a, amongst friends, there was a debate about uh, how great of a military commander uh, Grant was. Um, and I believe one of the, one of the, uh, you know, splitting, one of the things that divided people was how you account for the fact that I guess he had like superior forces um, or resources. Um, and this is sort of saying the same thing because LeBron is so, like, he's so physically gifted for basketball. Um, in a way, this be- is like even more so than that to me. In a way, to me, that what this question just kind of sounds like is like, given that he's the best at basketball, is LeBron really? Why isn't why LeBron can't be the best at basketball? It doesn't make any sense to me. But yeah, yeah, given um, that he's like perfectly like designed to be a basketball player. And yeah. I get that there's like the separation of physical gifts versus like sort of, you know, developed skill. Yeah. But yeah, and I even think so I even think accounting, I think actually that there are people who've had similar I think there are people who are like similarly incredibly gifted um that either don't pan out at all or are not as good at LeBron and I think part of what makes LeBron super special is like he's one of the best passers in the NBA and that doesn't really have anything to do with the fact that he's like crazy strong and big and fast um I mean I'm sure it helps he's able to slow the game down by by having all of those like crazy physical attributes but he has like excellent court vision and when he's getting double teamed and 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 he's like teams every night they're trying to come up with different ways to scheme against him and to confuse him and to send help from all different places. And he is just incredibly gifted at like seeing how that help is coming at him and figuring out where there's going to be a, a matchup, uh, a mismatch on the court and like getting the ball to that spot. Um, that I think is why he is like particularly special. Um, and so I, I definitely think he's by far the best player in the NBA. And I think, I don't know, I guess I don't have an inclination to handicap him for his physical gifts, but even outside of that he is really exceptional agreed agreed the second part of this question is is it even good for the Cavs to have him handle the ball 45 percent of the time and i'll just go ahead and say with that question the 45 percent was part of the question i don't even know where that stat kind of came from unverified statistics yeah and totally unverified statistics that sounds around like what his usage rate would be i'd i'd not be surprised also if it was pretty close to that yeah. as well yeah um i definitely so i say generally speaking that like yes it's bad for the Cavs to have him handling the ball that much it takes a lot more of his energy i think that there are is not that hard to find capable ball handlers in the nba um and then to use lebron in more creative ways and to preserve his energy um but i guess given what they what they had in the finals especially after Kyrie went down 
um, you know, quite, you know, they really only had one capable ball handler besides LeBron in Delvadova. And as we talked about, he is not that good at basketball. What about J.R. Smith? J.R. <laughs> no, yeah. I would, no, yeah. Yeah, okay. I kind of agree with that. <laughs> I think that's less of like, a, that's one of those things where he's probably physically gifted at uh, handling the ball, but just he's kind of inexplicable, really, in the... Yeah. He's just something else. Yeah, I mean, you saw the picture of him leaving the finals on a Segway or on a hovercraft. <laughs> Did you not? I mean, if you haven't seen this, you should check it out. But it it's actually really sad. It's it's one of the more sad kind of sports images I've seen in a little while. And he just is like, so he's tall. He's kind of, you know, pretty tall anyway. And then he's on this little hovercraft Segway thing. And he's just like going through this crowd of people and he looks so sad. And something about the way, because you can't really see the hovercraft thing that much, but just moving at this like constant speed through this crowd of people. And it's like weirdly, it's like it's from this like futuristic movie and it's just really kind of depressing. Would you say that it's one of the saddest hovercraft pictures you've ever seen? Definitely, definitely these. I'm I'm gonna go on the record and say it's the saddest hovercraft picture I've ever seen. Oh wow! Uh, anybody, uh, we invite any listeners to submit on the comment in the comment sections the sadder hovercraft pictures. <laughs> yeah, if you can submit one that or Ray, illustrations or drawings. Yeah, if you want to draw a really sad hovercraft scene, something anything that's sad and has a hovercraft in it. Yeah. Uh, if Ray cries more than he cried seeing the J.R. Smith thing, then uh, you will win a special listener prize. Yeah, yeah. Back to the back to the original question. I think it would have been great if they had the right type of personnel and game plan to make it so LeBron had to handle the ball less. But I think you could make a very strong case that the reason that they didn't have better personnel was because of LeBron's influence on the personnel decisions and that also the flaws in the game plan had a lot to do with LeBron imposing his will on what the game plan was going to be. Um, and so, so yes, they would be better off if he handled the ball less. And I think maybe the reason he had had to handle the ball so much was kind of his fault. Mm -hmm. All right. Yeah. The, so the third part of this question we actually touched on a little bit as well, which was given that the Cav Cavs missed so many shots, why didn't they try Joe Harris even for a few minutes? <laughs> like father, like son. Um, and I remind you, this is an anonymous question. <laughs> I uh, I sort of raised this question earlier, so I kind of agree with it, at least in terms of like the terrible players that they were putting out there. Like, I don't think Joe Harris is very good, but I don't think Mike Miller is any good anymore. <laughs> and I don't think Della Vidova is that good, or at least to the point where if he's playing 41 minutes a game, that his like 30th through 41st minute are probably going to be pretty terrible. Although in that game too, his 30th through 40, 30, whatever minute, yeah, he got those his were luck, his really stupid falling shots. over shots and, yeah. and hitting a three-pointer. But yeah, like... One can imagine that he could get just as many lucky plays in fewer minutes. Yeah. Or the same rate of lucky plays and maybe not have to get an IV in his Uber after the game. 
without even getting a hovercraft ride to it. <laughs> Fortunately, once when the Sixers finally win an NBA championship, every finally when they finally when win their first iteration. NBA championship, uh, they they will uh, everybody all their fans will be riding in hovercrafts that are driven by Uber and. So then it'll be finally be like a happy hovercraft moment yeah. for Ray. M- NPR told me that Uber is trying to, you know, get these uh, driverless cars rolling. Uh, so that might be sooner than you think, Court. Are they hovercraft driverless cars, though? They're not hovercraft driverless cars. Because collision detection in three-dimensional space is an NP complete problem. You know that. <laughs> Now I do. <laughs> I don't know if that's actually true. If it's not, if you're listening and you're prospective employer and that's wrong, just know that I was kidding. Uh, the final part of the question from the anonymous listener. Prospective employer or funder. Or funder, yes, because exactly. Uh, the final part of the anonymous person's question, this person is also a Philadelphia Phillies fan, and I know oh, this is boy. our NBA Finals recap podcast, but yes, oh, boy. What's, why, what's up with the Phillies? Why are they bad? This we could do a whole podcast on this. Um, they're a terrible baseball team. They have maybe the worst general manager in sports in Ruben Amar Jr. Um, they have an antiquated way of approaching, you know, roster building and team management. Um, they overpaid a lot of guys um, and didn't properly account for like how players age, um, particularly how different types of players age, like big-bodied, unathletic first basemen. Um, And so, yeah, they have a lot of uh, guys on the roster that make a lot of money that aren't very good. They don't have a lot of young talent. Um, So they're really bad, and it makes me sad. I feel like I could just start making a poem right now. Um... Wait, but, I kind of zoned out for a second. Were you were talking about were you, you were talking about the Knicks right there, right? <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. Honestly, I think we're close to botting them. That's the hope here with the with the Phillies is that um, there's rumblings about Ruben Amaro getting um, fired um, and us bringing in a new general manager who values things like analytics. Ruben Amaro just says the craziest things, like you know. People have different feelings about how to use data, but, you know, like some people, even people that don't like to use data are like, they don't hate on you for using a calculator. That's kind of what Ruben Amaro does. Like Ruben Amaro, some of the most basic tenets of baseball analytics, he just flat out refuses to accept. Um, And it's just pretty, it's pretty mind blowing and it makes me sad. So anyhow, we're real bad. We should get high draft picks for a year or two. We should actually have a lot of money to reinvest in free agents um, and uh, prospects, international players. So hopefully things get up, get better soon, and that we can trade some of our veterans for some decent young players and start to actually, you know, make ourselves into a decent team. All right. So quick recap, Ray. Uh, bad teams that don't like analytics, bad. Bad teams that like analytics, good. Yes. All right. Sounds good. Yes. <laughs> uh, so I think that's going to recap the mailbag uh, 
portion of this podcast, which kind of answers another mailbag question, which was, do we answer all of the mailbag questions? Answer, no. No. Uh, But we might, some of them were pretty draft related, so we might save some of those in our little back pocket uh, for the draft podcast. Uh, and and some of them are entirely about inside jokes, which clearly we don't like dodge. But you know, we're we're, we're trying to trying to go for some for some of the general ones that everyone might get. Some of them aren't even really jokes. Some of them are just kind of like really veering off into obscure places. Yeah. Um, which I personally, based on my podcasting style, you know, it's right up my alley, but yeah, you know, we only have so much time for all of that. Yes. We fast approach it. Um, I think the last thing that we promised here was we were going to talk a little bit about like the golden state and calves going forward. Do we want to do that now? Uh, or do yeah, you want to? I think if we have time now. Okay. Yeah, we have we have plenty of time right now okay, to talk about cool. it. Cool. Um, so, I think the I think the Cavs. I guess a lot of I think the Cavs are kind of less interesting in that everyone's going to just be talking about what's going to happen with the Cavs here, whether or not Kevin Love's going to come back. Um, it seems pretty likely that he's going to come back. Maybe. Um, either way, I think that what makes sense for them is just to get some actual rotation players that can play like to not have Mike Miller and James Jones and Sean Marion and to have just even picking up guys out of the D league or like second round types or undrafted free agents that are like, like have NBA bodies and skills and like can learn how to contribute to a team. That seems to, if they do that, then they're going to be good next year. They the rumor recently is that they're trading Brendan Haywood's expiring contract plus possibly their first round pick. Do you see yeah. any potential anything coming out of that? Yeah, I think well so it's funny this is the with the way the salary cap is working um with the way the salary cap is working this is the last year where it's going to be relatively low and teams are going to um still be be tight and unable to like make a signing um and so basically the way this works is they have this guy brendan haywood who i think has about a 10 million dollar contract that is not guaranteed so what the cavaliers can do is trade him to a team that needs to make cap space and then immediately that team can waive him um and that the cavaliers could take on salary and so Basically, the Cavs could get something nice back for sending away this player that's not going to play anyway. The other team gets cap relief so they can sign someone else. Um, I know that maybe is a little bit confusing. I think they could actually net something kind of decent with that. That's that's valuable. Um, it would have to be some, some package of players that roughly fits close to that $10 million range, right? Contract wise. That's right. There are some, there's some weird exceptions for teams below the cap, but uh, generally speaking, yeah, that's right. Right. Um, so that, and, and they could, they could get something for their first round pick. Um, I think a lot of the, a lot of the, the depth of the draft this year, um, is not there because a lot of players decided to, take their names out of the hat particularly international players for the draft um so i think that pig is not super valuable um but they could get something for it right that's 
depending on where he goes, that's a potential Justin Anderson. I actually was thinking about, I think he's going to go before that. I think he's going to go um, low 20s. Uh, yeah, I've so. seen anywhere from, from I want to say 20 exactly. I don't know who holds that pick, but 20 down to like 30, like very end of the first round, which is kind of always that little, those couple picks are weird picks to me. Yes. They're. As we've seen with the the Thunders shenanigans with those stuff, those yeah. area, that area of picks. Yeah. They're, they're, they're definitely weird picks. And yeah, I think I'm actually kind of surprised Justin and, and I guess this could still happen, but he seems like the classic type of player that rockets up a draft. Um, I could still see that happening, but he seems to have like really nice NBA potential. So. Yeah, he's yeah. You can see he has the tools to at least be a nice contributor. Yeah, uh, in the three and D style of things. The, I don't know how he improved his shot so much in between his sophomore and junior year, but yeah. And I think the savvy NBA teams are gonna regress that back a decent bit and right. assume that there is some kind of that that's not a true improvement. But even if it's Half there, true. It's yeah, still there's pretty some. Good. There, there was some real improvement yeah. there. Yeah, it might yeah. not be as dramatic as it looked, but yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I think, I think, I think with that and with just like the LeBron effect of people wanting to play with him, as long as they just bring in the right guys, I think they're going to be really nice next year. And I do think, I do think it, it seems to make sense for Kevin Love to at least come back for one more year. Um. Unless he wants to just be on some terrible Lakers or Knicks team or Celtics team, there's not really a lot there for him. What it's a, I heard that some people kind of want to play for the Celtics because, uh, uh, you know, Coach uh, Brad Stevens. Brad Stevens. You know. Um, yeah, and and I guess there was buzz that Kevin Love was higher on them than he was before. Um, I guess my response to that would be just play for them next year you know um like play with the Cavs this year you can become a free agent again after next season and then at that time the Celtics should be better um I still don't think they're going to be that good um but they should be a more attractive destination um I think actually something that came up that was interesting was that there was a report that Kevin Love is is concerned with his health um which which kind of makes sense and that he would maybe want to sign a longer term contract this this offseason. If that's the case, then I think Cleveland becomes maybe a less likely destination and that he would decide to go to LA or Boston or something. The thing about going to do you think he would sign with Boston even though they have Kelly Olnick on their team? Apparently that has been that has been smoothed over. Oh, uh, they're cool now. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I think they did some kind of little handshake thing gotcha yeah, yeah. as they want to do um, yes <laughs> the other okay so the other thing with the Cavs for me is uh, Tristan Thompson what's the what, oh, what's yeah. gonna happen with Trins, Tristan Thompson he is probably gonna get paid because he has the same agent as LeBron and it would seem like when LeBron came there was a wink wink deal that Tristan would definitely get like the max extension so it seems like that's probably going to happen, and at least now with how well he played in the finals, um, that it seems like justifiable. Did he did he play that well in Game Six? He didn't play that well in Game Six, even though I probably only saw like 
35% of it, so I can't say for sure. Right. We had a little technical also, difficulties with the Game 6 broadcast. I also think he just didn't play that many... I want to say he didn't play that many minutes at all in Game 6. Like, when... Yeah. Maybe... I mean, I know that they were playing him a lot more than Mozgov once they, they started trying to smallen out some to counter the Golden State small. So I might be wrong on that fact. I know that Mozgov, like, really didn't play Game 5. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I, I think mean, that they started splitting those big guys' minutes a little more in Game Six. Yeah, I think that. I think he's not a great player by any means, and I think if my team were to commit to giving him a whole lot of money for the next four or five years, that I wouldn't be that excited about it. But the fact the with the weird salary cap stuff going on, the fact that the max extension for him right now is actually like not going to be that much in a couple of years makes it i feel like more palatable okay i can yeah so that makes me feel a little bit better about it in terms of just like it sounds like you know it sounds scary like giving tristan thompson the max when you're like man that guy can't really shoot (laughs) it's kind of hard to be like yeah yeah let's give him you know that seems like a pretty fundamental skill and he's definitely it will be like I think he will get the max extension. It will be weird because he is in no way does he fit the way that the NBA is going. Like you said, he can't shoot. Um, he isn't a great like I think he did okay at protecting the rim, um, but he's not a great rim protector. Um, and the two skills that are most valued right now in the NBA for big men are can you protect the rim and can you shoot outside. I think to some extent you have a post game, um, even though that's not really super valued. And he really doesn't have any of those things. Um, he just is kind of like relentless, a really good offensive rebounder, a good defensive rebounder. And he's like relatively athletic and can and can defend on the perimeter a little bit. But it, it will be kind of weird that that will be against the grain for him to get a max extension with the way the NBA is going. Um, but, yeah, it seems like the, the – that that LeBron charity agent deal is, is part of it. Yeah, for sure. For sure. All right. Um, you want to move on to golden state here and kind of talk about their future. Um, what's the, yes. what's the biggest thing for them going into this off season besides wiping up off all the champagne off the floor. Yeah. And staying in Oakland, not being, <laughs> not being taken by those San Francisco jerks. Um, I think, so the there already have been reports that they're going to trade David Lee. Uh, it seems like, if nothing else, for his sake. But it also makes sense for their sake because they have a lot of guys that need to get paid. And uh, he's making like something like $15 million and not really that big of a part of the team anymore. Um, so that should give them some room to operate. And I think that they – I don't think I don't think that they'll really get much back for him. But um, – you know, it probably just makes sense for them to do that. Um, what, how do we feel about David Lee? Like he anchored some sucky Knicks teams and made them less sucky than they would have been. And then he went to Golden State and then this season where he like fell out of their part of being their team was when they became better and then won the championship. So he is an NBA champion and he yeah. did have some like, he did have I can't was it was one of the games they lost, but he they put him in and they made a little comeback at the end. So 
clearly like he was still like a good player just not like a good player within the context of like them being a really awesome team that won the nba championship yeah he has real i mean he has real nba skills i think i could see a i could see a team i don't know i think he can contribute in the nba i think probably on his next contract when he's getting paid a more like modest sum and he's a a power forward guy that can come off the bench and like make some shots and he's like a solid offensive player I think I think he has a role in the NBA for some time now I just think again with the kind of he doesn't have three-point range and he doesn't protect the rim and he's generally just not good at defense so there's not I think people understand how much those things matter now and so he's not going to be that like much of a contributor but he's still a good basketball player yeah it seems like there's at least a role for like you know throwing in some offense in there if you're just hurting for it for off sure. the bench for sure. especially I mean, like in the reg- on, yeah in the regular on, season too like you gotta yeah you gotta have a lot of players if cleveland could have brought him off the bench in the finals uh oh man and like he actually would have been someone besides lebron james that could generate a shot or like be a part of an offense that could generate shots, um, and so yeah, I think on the on the right team, I think just think it just so happens he was on a team that had like eight uh, gifted offensive players. So right, his one and a system was, that was like really spread it out. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there's that. Um, Draymond Green is probably going to get. Um, a really big contract. I think that's the right thing to do, of course. Um, what I, so I, I don't see a lot of changes with them. I think it's just like tinkering and maybe changing the 10th or 11th guy on their bench or, you know, bringing in a draft pick, see if they can get in the rotation. Um, actually they might not have their draft pick. Um, so I don't see any big changes for them. Um, I was. Do you see any? Do you see any big changes for them, Court? No. The the main thing on my mind was the Draymond Green extension, which is just kind of like, you know, now you're locked. I mean, you don't want to say like, oh shoot, now we're locked in with the same old team that was really good and won the championship. But like, you're kind of once once you are the status quo, you want to maintain it, right? I guess is the yeah, deal. Yeah, for sure. Like for sure. The, 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 the like sort of analytical side of things, you are like really excited about Draymond Green when he's when he's cheap and you're like oh man what a great value that this guy is like pretty pretty good and and mm-hmm. is definitely like outplaying the amount of money that you have invested in him mm-hmm. um just value wise he will just be like normal now yeah definitely like, um I guess the other the other interesting thing is with Bogut um he kind of stopped playing there toward the end of the like he wasn't playing well and then they basically just stopped playing him I would think that he would come back and again be a good defensive center and someone who knows how to play in their offense if not like a great offensive contributor um but i guess i could see you know with that with them realizing that he wasn't working in the finals i you know i suppose they could take more from that and try to do something with him and i think he does have value if if they wanted to move him right um but it seems still to make sense to just bring him back and and run it back. So. I mean, they could get all any number of centers. They could get Omar Ashik or mm-hmm. Mark Gasol. Mm-hmm. 
That's right. <laughs> That's right. Um, uh, those are not going to happen. Uh, <laughs> those are not going to happen. Um, what I think is interesting about I was I was reflecting a lot of times when I watch basketball. I'm trying to when the Sixers aren't playing. I'm thinking about how what I'm seeing impacts my view of the Sixers. Um, <laughs> um, and so I think what, you know, obviously watching a team like Cleveland, there's not really much thought that has to be put in there. Instead, if you have one really amazing player that they can kind of carry your team um, in unbelievable ways. And so if we got one of those, that would be grand. Um, we're trying to get one of those. Um, but I think what Golden State shows is that you get a lot of like very good NBA players um, and one excellent one in Steph Curry. Um, and you have like a smart system and you have your versatile. Um, you have a coach who will make adjustments on the fly um, and make bold decisions and just be smart about how he how he runs plays and builds his lineups uh, that you can make like a really good team. Um, and so I think, I don't know, it's kind of, I feel like for all the superstar talk, Golden State, um, they have a superstar in Steph Curry, but they have been able to build a system that, um, that where really like a whole bunch of people contribute, um, as evidenced by the fact that Andre Iguodala, who objectively was probably their sixth or seventh or eighth most important player coming into this series, uh, won the finals MVP. Um, so I don't know. I feel like that's a takeaway for me on how Golden State operates. What do you think about that, Court? Are you saying that if only the Sixers had a player like Andre Iguodala, they could <laughs> really... If That's we had kept Andre Iguodala, we would have won the NBA Finals this year. That's what I'm saying. Um, I think, yeah, I don't know. So basically, with our with the Sixers team building strategy to acquire good players, I, I think I can envision a scenario where maybe we get a superstar, maybe we don't, but we have like eight or nine like very good players. And we have like flexibility to bring in new players or make trades or whatever. Um, if we have a good offensive system and a good defensive system that we can be formidable, we can be like competitive. And that, that makes me hopeful. So when you were saying that you, you were going to look at golden States model as like, see how different teams in the league were going to construct their teams. You just mostly meant the Sixers, how the Sixers could copy their success. I mostly meant the Sixers, yes. Um, Which is fine, but I, I also, I also, like unabashedly, in terms of, in terms of, if you're a bad team, I think the team building approach that the Sixers are taking, while controversial, is the right one. So, I mean, I would, I think the same applies to the Celtics, it, more so to the Celtics actually, because they have, they have, they don't have uh, players with our upside. I would say I don't think anyone on their roster has as much upside as Nerlens Noel or Joel Embiid. Um, but they have more good players. And so I think you could say that, that, and especially they have Brad Stevens, they have a really smart coach who's really into the strategy that they could design. Um, or they could build a team without like a great superstar that is really competitive by being going nine deep and having really good offensive and defensive systems. 
What do you think about Marcus Smart? Apparently his like uh, I don't know, I don't know if we have time to get into it, but five thirty eight had this thing that like showed potential of college players and they like showed retroactively how that model like applied to previous draft classes and Marcus Smart had a very high huh. score on that. Interesting. Uh what do you think about him? That is interesting. Um I didn't watch a lot of him this year, nor did I watch him in, in college. Um, but I, I, I've read probably way too many kind of scouting write-ups of him. Um, and, and then can, then in what I heard from him, what I heard about his performance this year kind of aligned a red kind of aligned with what he projected to be this like super physical, um, really good defender, long strong um like decent ball handler but like without the ability to kind of be an offensive creator um and so i and from what i hear it also just doesn't seem like that's something that he he shows like he's going to develop into um so i feel like he has a relatively low ceiling and a high floor that he's going to be like a good nba player but like don't see him developing into a, a great offensive player. Um, just kind of need it for him to be a superstar. I think he'll be like a really good Tony Allen. Gotcha. Uh, but I also haven't watched a whole lot of him. Yeah, I guess the model probably. So the model also very valued people having a low floor, and yeah, I guess like having a low floor and then still like a, a sorry little a high bit of, floor. Yeah, sorry high floor. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and. So at least being good, it's good to get somebody who at least like you know be a, a valuable player, more valuable than a replacement player. Yeah. But also have kind of like a maybe a smaller dice roll, but still a little bit of a dice roll of of turning into someone really good. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But I guess it's he's going into his third season. It's kind of like make or break right now for showing that sort of improvement. Maybe. Yeah. Wait. I think he's going into his second season. Wait, he was only a rookie this year? Yeah, I think so. Because he was actually going to come out the year before, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, yeah, Um, yeah. He stayed at at OK State for his sophomore season. Yeah, because, yeah, that's right. That's, I'm pretty sure. Um, Um, Yeah, so he's golden. He's going to be awesome. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Um, So, yeah. And I think, I guess, the... The lack, hopefully, hopefully, more than anything, this doesn't apply to the Sixers. Hopefully, the copycat thing that happens after the Warriors is that teams, like the Warriors, play like a beautiful style of basketball. It is like really fun to watch. They move the ball, they run all these screens and eye flares, and it's just like, it's really fun to watch. Um, if and they don't just th- say, I have one great player, I'm going to run pick and roll every time or ISO. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say, depending on what you like to watch. Depending on what you like to watch. If you like to watch offense and ball movement um, and good shooting, then they're exciting. Yeah, which most people, I mean, maybe a lot of people like that, but there's a dedicated uh, listenership and also fans uh, of the NBA who enjoyed just, you know, the big, strong guys just like running into each other really hard. Yeah, and whoever isn't big and strong enough and most willing to injure the other players doesn't deserve to uh, win. 
And I yeah. guess the, the the only person on Golden State that really came close to that was Draymond Green. Bogut. Uh, and Bogut a little bit, although he's foreign, so he yeah. scores negative points in this person's book. But uh, yeah, if you're not willing to just injure the other person in a wrestling sort of match out there, then you're not. And you're, if you're not big enough to play. Yes, yes. Um, yes, which leads us to Frank Comiskey. Uh, is he's? I think he's going to be awesome. <laughs> I saw him play a lot of games at Wisconsin, not that many games. Uh, one time he beat UVA forty-eight to thirty-eight uh, by himself, one on five. Probably. Uh, I think he will have a he will have a beautiful NBA career in that he can shoot it. He's not probably not that quick. Um, we're kind of moving into draft t- talk now, yeah, though, yeah, which we so promised we, gotta we be, wouldn't. We got to be careful because we're going to wrap this guy up because this was mostly just finals. Um, but if uh, you have any more, especially draft related mailbag questions, uh, we encourage you to leave them yeah. in the comment section on the blog. Yes. Uh, or contact one of us directly uh, or contact Greg Seaver. <laughs> <laughs> and uh we will uh we'll talk about the draft i think we're gonna try to do it before the draft which is on thursday yes. so pretty soon uh and we look forward uh to hanging out with you guys then uh this has been half court and mid-range i'm court thanks everybody i'm ray and happy father's day and happy draft week